Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Ron, one of the pastors here. Um, as we start, I just want to take a moment as a church and do something together. This last week, our Awana program started. We have between 80 and 100 kids here, something like that, Patrick. Patrick is our commander. And um, this is a great discipleship program for our kids. We also have some friends that come and other kids that come that are hearing the gospel and so we, I just want to pray for our workers this morning and sort of commission you guys for a year because it is a, it is a commitment to come every Wednesday night and to invest in our young people. And if you're still interested in helping, I know Patrick would still talk to you and he'd love that help, especially moms and dads. If your kids are in the program, this is a great chance to help with the program. Don't treat it as a date night, but treat it as a way to invest as a church in your kids and in other kids. But talk to Patrick about that. So how many of you are helping in Awana this year? Okay, just look around. If you're not helping in Awana, look around, pick someone to pray for. And and because we need to uphold this group, this team in prayer that is ministering to our young people, let's bow our heads and pray for them. Lord God, our Father, I lift up our Awana program here. And I lift up every person that just raised their hand, every person that is giving of their time. Lord, this is an investment. It's not a... a um, just waste of time, but an investment in the lives and the discipleship of our, our young people, of our children. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength every Wednesday night when it's been a long day and work is, has made them tired to still have the energy to come, to still have that commitment to come and be part of what's happening here. Lord, I pray that you would give them the words to say and the compassion that they need to love on these little kids. Um, whether the kids are, are behaving or misbehaving, but to show them Christ's love and to share the gospel with them, to help them memorize scripture, to help them understand that, how to live for you, Lord God. I pray that you would give these leaders um, just the strength and energy to do that. Bless their time as well and, and replace that time um, that they dedicate to this ministry. Lord, we are excited to see great things happen through your Holy Spirit as your Holy Spirit works in the lives of these kids. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we continue to talk about the Holy Spirit. How many of you need the Holy Spirit? Good answer. Uh, <laughs> we covered that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we need the Holy Spirit, but how many of you are absolutely sure what that looks like in your life? Half, okay, so, and that, that's about right because we should have some idea, but as soon as we say we know exactly how the Holy Spirit works in all situations, then we're, we're struggling with some different things. But how do we know? The question I hear most about the Holy Spirit is how do I know when the Holy Spirit is leading me versus when it's just my own thoughts and desires? Have you ever asked that question? How, how do we know whether this is just, oh, it's me wanting what I want and I'm projecting on the Holy Spirit and hey, you know, who's going to argue with the Holy Spirit? Or how do I know when this is actually the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Or how do I get used to listening to his voice? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I, I don't know that I've heard the Holy Spirit speak before. I don't know that I even understand what that means because it sounds a little mysterious and Pastor Ron's gone off the deep end. But I'm here to say we can hear the Holy Spirit speak and we can hear his promptings and we can obey his promptings. 
And today we're going to explore that and talk about that, fully realizing that this is sometimes an area where churches have avoided, because yes, it can be abused, and yes, people can use the Holy Spirit to justify all kinds of things, and, and, and there's all kinds of directions that this can be taken that aren't healthy. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible teaches, as we've already covered, that the Holy Spirit is real. He's working in our lives. And if we miss His work in our lives, we are missing the very power that God has given us to survive in this world and to be about His mission. And so today is really sort of the crux of where I want to go with this series. Next week, we'll we'll continue to look at some more things about the work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to spend some time, okay, how do we walk in the Spirit? What does that look like? Because we all need the Holy Spirit. And, and we're all coming from different backgrounds. Maybe you're struggling with a decision you need to make. And you're wondering, okay, how does the Holy Spirit inform that? How, how does He help me make this decision? Maybe we, we aren't seeing a lot of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience in our lives. And we're like, where's that? How is that missing? Maybe we're just trying to get through a difficult time a hard day, a challenging day. Maybe we're struggling with sin and and we're tempted at our core to give in to sin or we're tempted just to give up because we're not seeing the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to continue. Maybe we need courage today. Maybe we need courage to say the right thing, to do the right thing, to step out in faith with something that God is prompting us to do. All kinds of reasons why we need the Holy Spirit. And so we want to get practical today and say, okay, how do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? How do we walk with the Holy Spirit? And a couple questions just to start with is I want us to think about, are we experiencing the Holy Spirit or just talking about the Holy Spirit? Those are two different things. And we, we, we've talked about the Holy Spirit the last couple of weeks, and we've tried to put in there uh, uh, some ideas of how to live by the Holy Spirit. But, but I don't just want to be a church that knows about the Holy Spirit or talks about the Holy Spirit and says, oh, he's really cool. We like the Holy Spirit. I want to be a church that experiences the Holy Spirit, that is sensitive to his leading. And as we do that, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit work in ways beyond what any of us can do on our own. But we have to be open to his leading. We have to be open to his work. Another question as I was, I was going through this that I kept asking is, okay, when was the last time that I definitively saw the Holy Spirit work? When was the last time that I could point and say that was the Holy Spirit? Now, in the last, last couple of months, there's been a lot of times like that. But I ask you that same question. When's the last time you knew the Holy Spirit was working and you saw the evidence of that work? So today, how do we walk in the Spirit? We're just going to go through eight. We'll focus on a couple of them mostly, but eight different ideas. And, and there, again, there's so many passages on this. There's so many things that we can add. And, and one of my goals is just to start our, our eyes to be open as we read Scripture to every time it mentions the Holy Spirit and what that means. But just some ideas of how we can relentlessly pursue Spirit-led living. How can we make sure that this is part of our Christian walk? I love the quote from John Stott that I put in your notes. The Christian life is essentially life in the Spirit. That is to say, a life that is animated, sustained, directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. Those could be four points right there. A life that is animated, 
sustained, directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, true Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, indeed impossible. So many good things in that quote, reminding us of the essential nature of the Holy Spirit for us to live godly Christian lives, discipling others and being discipled. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And again, there's a lot of verses we can go to, but today we'll stay mostly tethered to Galatians 5 and Romans 8. If you want to put fingers in both of those, that is helpful. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black one under a seat right around you. You're welcome to take one of those out and turn to Galatians 5. We'll be looking at 16 through 25 this morning. As well, if you have the the YouVersion app, you can open that up. The event should be live and you can see the passage in there and some of the sermon notes in there. But Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 25. Now, I'd like to start just by reading the whole section and then we'll pull out some thoughts from the whole of the section about how we walk in the Spirit and what that looks like. Starting at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Just in case he missed anything in there. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but, and this changes everything, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray as we begin to dig in. Lord God, we ask for your Spirit to reveal your Word to us, to convict us of your Word. Lord, we ask your Spirit for for understanding of your Word. Lord, I pray that as we dig into this text, that our hearts would be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit that we would be pursuing the Holy Spirit and that we would see your power unleashed in this church. Lord, I pray that your word would, would bear incredible fruit today. In your name, amen. So we have a section here that talks about the Spirit. And, and, and I would bet that you've, you've studied several of those verses, right? Especially the fruit of the Spirit. And we take the fruit of the Spirit, and it's a fantastic study to do. Today, I'm not going to get into each of the fruit or into each of the fruits of the flesh there. Um, but, but we're going to look at the big picture of the text. And we have to understand that this section on the fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the results of living in the Spirit, is part of this bigger section of how to walk in the Spirit. How to live by the Spirit. And so we want to grab some principles out of this about how do we live spirit-led lives? How do we allow him control in our lives? Now, something about walking in the spirit is, is walking in the spirit takes practice. It is something that this side of eternity, I don't think we will ever be perfect at. 
I think we will always be growing in it. I can say that today I have a better sense of when the Holy Spirit's telling me something than I did 10 years ago. And hopefully then than I did 10 years before that. So this is something that we practice. It's a skill that we develop. And, and as I talk with people that have walked with God faithfully for many years, sometimes don't they just have a sense of when God's telling them something? That, that hasn't come by accident. That's come from years of listening to the Spirit and working at this and exercising. It's like any skill, right? If you're learning a new language, all three of my kids are in Spanish one this year. <laughs> it's great. And they're wondering why sometimes why they have to work to learn a new language. That's how it works. You, you have to work. You have to learn it, right? You, you have to spend the time studying the vocabulary. You have to try some of the sentences, which are pretty humorous at first. And, and, and you, you have to just immerse yourself in it. And then you see the proficiency growing and growing and growing. You know, we, we could think of a sport. You could say you're, you're going to go out and learn a new sport, basketball or something. And you're not going to be an expert at it like that. It takes time. It takes practice. That's sort of the way walking in the Spirit is. We have the Spirit when we're saved. We're indwelled by the Spirit when we're saved. But we are not skilled at listening to the Spirit. We are not skilled at giving control to the Spirit. Our natural man, as this text says, is fighting that and, and warring against that. And so... As we talk today, remember this is a process. And these are things to begin to pursue, to begin to, to strive for. And then we see what God does with that. We see how God uses that. So when we talk about pursuing spirit-led living, the first thing, the first point in your notes is we need to practice dependence. Practice dependence. Consciously act in dependence on the spirit. Utterly and always be looking for the Spirit, for dependence on the Spirit. One author said, the Holy Spirit should be as essential to us as the air we breathe. Without air, we die. Without the Holy Spirit, we spiritually die. And so we want to begin to consciously be aware that I need the Holy Spirit every moment. Now again, He's indwelling us. He's there, but I have to choose to, to allow Him control. I have to choose to need Him. Well, I do need Him, but I need to be aware of that need. It's like if you, if you needed a walker at home, maybe you're rehabilitating legs or something, and if you leave the walker sitting in the corner, and, and you just try to walk without it, how helpful is that? Well, I have one! Woohoo! But if we never grab it, if we never use it, then we can't see the Holy Spirit working. But we have to admit our need to do that. We all need the Holy Spirit. You all raised your hands on that. And we need to be aware of that. We need to actually believe that. Think of some of the wording in this text. And and this is one of those points that's just infused throughout the entire text. And actually, most texts that talk about living by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit... The assumption, the infusion is we need the Holy Spirit. There has to be a dependence on the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit. And that's an intentional word. It's not walk with the Spirit or walk alongside the Spirit, but walk by the Spirit. And and the wording there is that He is the one giving strength. He is the one animating, as John said, our, our Christian walks. 
we, we do that by Him. He's the one that enables us to walk with God. In verse 25, you'll see that same wording. Live by the Spirit. And the, the wording there assumes this dependence that the only way we're going to be able to live this way is by the Spirit, with the power of the Spirit, understanding our dependence on Him. Even verse 17 in this text, our natural state isn't to walk with the Holy Spirit, right? The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. So just me left to my own, I don't want to walk in the Spirit. That's giving control to someone else. I'm in control of my life. I get to make my decisions. I get to do what I want. But no, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And the idea of that phrase, it's like, okay, what's he talking about? Which desires? It's that the desires of the flesh are actively trying to keep you from walking with God. They're trying to keep you from doing what you know you should, what you want. I want to walk with God. But the desires of the flesh are keeping that from happening. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. The very fact that the fruit of the Spirit are listed in 22 and 23 implies that these are a direct result of the work of the Spirit in our lives, right? You cannot have all those in their fullness without the Holy Spirit. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And so just throughout this whole text, we get this idea that we should consciously be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Now, now what does that look like? Again, we can know this intellectually, but what does that actually look like in life? That means every situation I go into, and I mean every, every situation I go into, I should have a mindset that says, I cannot do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to help me through this. Whether it's difficult situations, whether it's good situations. In fact, I think when life is good, this is a harder principle to practice. When life is difficult, we're like, oh, I need God. I need the Holy Spirit. When life is good, we just become atheists and forget about God so many times. But if we are going to be a spirit-led church, if we're to be a spirit-led Christians, we have to practice dependence on God no matter what. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. And so I put this into practice by consciously deciding that I need the Holy Spirit. I do, but consciously convincing my mind and and repeating that truth in my head. I need the Holy Spirit for the meeting I'm about to go into. I need the Holy Spirit when I enter any place because maybe He wants to direct me to something. And so the idea is, what if everywhere you go and every experience you have, the Holy Spirit is wanting to use that for the glory of God? What if? Then maybe He's going to direct you to some things that you wouldn't naturally do. And if we aren't actively asking the Holy Spirit to direct, if we don't have that kind of dependence, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. You know, a couple thoughts about this. When we think of dependence on the Holy Spirit, I already sort of mentioned this, but living within our comfort and ability, living within our comfort and ability, that is an enemy to depending on the Spirit. And we have to be aware of that. See, what we can do on our own well is dangerous to depending on the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Because when, when I get used to something, when I think I'm in situations I can handle... 
It is so easy to just handle them. To not think of myself as needing the Holy Spirit. But when we're in situations we can't do on our own, that's when we start to learn dependence. That's when we're aware of it. So many times we get into situations. Has anyone been in a situation this week where you're like, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I'm done. That's, that's the phrase that I hear in our house sometimes. I'm done. Village, that's not the end of the situation. That's the beginning of being able to see God work in the situation. And so many times we get to that place and we're like, I'm done. I can't do this. And we miss the fact that this is a precious opportunity to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give up or we find another way out. We hand off the the day to someone else. We check out. We're like, I'm done. And we're done because our self is done. Do you ever think the Holy Spirit is done being able to help? Ever? Ever? And so we, we let our, our natural state, our natural man control our emotions and, and we, we stop doing what we should be able to do. Not on our own, but because at that point we start to experience the precious opportunity of the Holy Spirit to see God work through you. Now, now I know that this is challenging because every one of us face things that we just can't do. Every one of you probably has things in the next week or two that you're like, I am dreading that. And you just want to check out. But village, that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. He should already be there. But that's where the visibility of his work steps in. And I'm not quite sure how to say this because I want to say you can do anything for a day. But I'm not meaning you. You, with the power of the Holy Spirit, can handle any situation that this life presents you. And and, and yes, if you look at weeks and months to come, it's overwhelming. But look at today and say, how can the Holy Spirit get me through today? That is part of dependence. Don't be afraid of the difficult things of normal life. Embrace them. Own them. Don't pass them off. Otherwise, you'll miss seeing the power of the Holy Spirit miss it when we say i can't we're saying the holy spirit can't that's a dangerous place to be by the holy spirit we have hope the holy spirit gives power we've studied these things in each of our our points today Each of them has an opportunity to grieve the Holy Spirit or to resist the Holy Spirit. And in this case, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by giving up, by thinking we can't handle what's in front of us. And we're grieving the Holy Spirit because at that point we're not depending on Him. We're not depending on Him. Living within your comfort and ability is an enemy of depending on the Holy Spirit. And some other thoughts about dependence... Uh, radical dependence, when we can't do it, that's when God is glorified. That's when God is glorified. If the world looks at us and say, I could do that, do you think that points to God? Now, with our attitude, yes, it can. But when the world sees, I have no idea how you're getting through that, and we, we are doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit, God is glorified. Not me, but God is glorified. Francis Chan, I love a quote from him. 
I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. Catch that? I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. And so we should, we should tackle the hard things. We should tackle the difficult things. We should tackle the uncomfortable things. Because that's usually where God is at work. Dependence on the Holy Spirit destroys fear of the uncomfortable. It destroys fear of the awkward. Don't be afraid of those situations if they are for Christ. See, if if we come back to what's comfortable, what we're used to, what's ordinary, those are bad motivations for making decisions. The decision question should be, what might God be doing here? How might God be working? Without saying, can I do this? How might God be working? If he's working this way, then can I trust the Holy Spirit to get me through this? Practice dependence on the Holy Spirit. This one's huge. And this is, this is one of those points where I think that, that we miss out because I don't know that we know how to depend on the Holy Spirit. Village, every moment I need the Holy Spirit. Being a pastor doesn't change that. Being able to preach on Sunday doesn't change that. Every moment I am weak and I need the Holy Spirit. And so do you. And until we own that, until we can admit that, we will not see the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed in our lives. You just won't. Because we are holding Him back. Carl Barth said this, when we are at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can He give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? You might think, if you're a parent, you probably can relate with that with your kids. Practice dependence. Just let me give some ideas for what that might look like, how to do that. These are suggestions. You might get your own rhythm, and you have to get your own rhythm of life of what this looks like as long as you're doing it. But one of the ways you could do this is start your day by praying through your day. So when you get up in the morning, maybe you shower in the morning or, or whatever part of your morning routine is, find some time to just pray through your day. And... And I would, I would encourage you not to pray that everything goes wonderfully today. But pray that the Holy Spirit would work today. And, and go as far as pray through the meetings you have. Pray through your schedule. If you know you have a presentation at work, pray through that presentation. God cares about that too. The Holy Spirit wants to enable you through that so you can be a light for Him. But pray through their schedule. Pray through the meetings. Pray through the, the meals you're going to have with your family. That you will be able to, to see the Holy Spirit work there. That His presence will be evident in even your, your family life and how your family gets along. As I pray through my schedule, I pray things like, Holy Spirit, guide my thoughts. Guide my words. Guide my actions. And that, that's the, the, the three things that I ask for every day. Guide my thoughts, guide my words, guide my actions. I need you in each of those. And so then we start our day beginning to think through, how can I depend on the Holy Spirit? And then along with that, another just habit that I would encourage, develop an ongoing, active, continual habit of talking with the Holy Spirit. You know, we all see people talking to themselves and we laugh. And we're like, oh, they're, they're losing their mind and whatever. Lose your mind to the Holy Spirit a little bit. Talk to Him throughout the day. 
again, back to our theology, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. That matters. And so that means I can have a running conversation in my head with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's where I think the, the rubber meets the road with dependence is when I'm now throughout the day saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do here? Or Holy Spirit, lead me here. As you go to the grocery store, okay, who do you, who might you want me to meet? Who might you want me to, to, to talk to or even just smile at? You know, can I get that checker to actually smile and say hello? Good luck. As you come to church, and you've heard me say this, even as you're driving in, who do you want me to minister to today, God? Who just needs someone to pray with them? Who, when we go to the gym, is standing alone off to the side wishing someone would talk to them? Are we in tune with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is directing us? And we won't be unless we are dependent on Him and asking Help me to know who to pray for. You know, as you go to, to, to your quiet time, to prayer time, maybe leave a space where you're not sure who to pray for and ask the Holy Spirit to bring some names to mind. That's depending on the Holy Spirit. He will. I guarantee He will. And you might say, well, that's just silliness. No, that's, that's how the Holy Spirit works, and we're going to get there. Develop this ongoing conversation with the Holy Spirit every part of your day. And sometimes that means preparing you for things. Sometimes that might mean letting go of some things and experiencing his grace and forgiveness. Because that also might mean, man, I blew that. I wasn't a great testimony for Christ. I, I, I let into my fear. I let into my frustration. I lost my temper. And those are the times that we still have to have that ongoing conversation and say, God, forgive me. I give I give my, my, my mistakes to you, my sin to you. Forgive me. I repent of that. And he will. For me, every time I teach, I start with prayer and say, God, give me the words because I can't do this on my own. Every meeting I go into, every counseling meeting I go into, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you would have me say. Because I can't do this. But you can't. So make dependence part of the rhythm of your day. I know we spend a little longer on that just because it's so important. Point number two, desire the right desires. Desire the right desires. Deliberately fight your natural desires and replace them with what the Holy Spirit desires. Deliberately fight your natural desires and replace them with what the Holy Spirit desires. This is the whole section 17, 18, 19. The desires of the flesh, as we said, are against the Spirit. And we have to be aware of that. Our natural desires are not going to be what the Spirit wants us to do. Own it. Realize it's there. Fight it. But the Holy Spirit will overcome those. He will, will, will help us replace those desires with His desires. You know, part of this desire the right desires is even, even asking the question, do you really desire to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Ouch. This one for me is like, oh, I, I need to ask that. Do you actually desire to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Or, or do you want control yourself? Do you just want a little bit of the Holy Spirit to make life palatable? 
Or do you want to be radically controlled by the Holy Spirit where you're uncomfortable and seeing God do amazing things? That's part of the desire. Our flesh doesn't want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is a battle. Make no mistake. It's a battle between our flesh, our natural man, and the Holy Spirit. And it's hard work. What if the Holy Spirit asks you to change jobs? And you, and you like your job. Could you do it? What if the Holy Spirit asks you to sell a bunch of your stuff and help someone that's in need? Could you do it? This is part of the desires. Do I have a desire for the Holy Spirit to even work? Romans 8, 4 through 6, that's the other passage I talked about that, that has a lot to say about walking in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 4 through 6 talks about setting our minds on the Holy Spirit, pursuing, so, so taking our desires captive and, and setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. In Romans 8, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. That's the choice. Setting our mind on the Spirit, setting our mind on the flesh, it's choosing what we focus on. Choosing what input we put in our brains, what input we have in our lives. What do we fill our mind with? If your input is almost all world stuff, stu- entertainment from this world, the, the, the thoughts of this world, the, the world view that is around us, if that's the majority of your input, you're going to have trouble walking in the Spirit. Because you're setting your mind, your focus is on things here. And, and, and after being a pastor for so many years, I watch it. I can see when someone's focus starts to turn to worldly things and the kinds of entertainment they're interested in or what they start doing with their weekends. I can see where their focus goes and the trajectory ends up walking away from the Spirit over and over and over again. So what are we setting our minds on? What are we setting our desires on? You know, we need to ask on any situation, on any decision, is this what I want? Or is this what the Holy Spirit wants? See, I mentioned that in the introduction, that we struggle, is this me or the Holy Spirit? I want to commend you. That's the right question to ask. That Don't be afraid of that question. We should ask that question all the time. Because that's how we start to bring, subject our desires to the will of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit want? Versus what do I want? Sometimes we go through life, we don't even ask the question. We just do what we want. And then the desires of the flesh will rule us. So do we want spirit-led living? Do we desire the Holy Spirit to control us and radically change our lives, even turn them upside down if it means doing something great for the kingdom? See, we, we can resist the Holy Spirit here too. We can grieve the Holy Spirit by loving what we want by pursuing a life that is filled with feeding our desires. Indulging ourselves. And we grieve the Holy Spirit because that's not the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. 
of, of God. Point number three, which really goes along with it, could have put them together, but I really wanted this separate because of where um, Paul goes in these verses. Stop sinning. Is this one obvious? Stop sinning. As Bob Newhart would say, stop it. Stop it. Ask the Holy Spirit for power to overcome sin in your life. Do you see where the text goes? Now the works of the flesh, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. These are obvious. These are natural. These are all from the flesh. And why is this in this text right before the fruit of the Spirit? He's saying, stop it. Stay away from these things. These are the desires that the Spirit is giving you the power to overcome. And, And we see this list that is this amazing list that's just covering all kinds of sin. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I know no one in here has ever struggled with any of those sins. Is lying in there? The point is, while we are still feeding the flesh, while we are still giving ourselves, letting some of those things exist in our lives, we are resisting the Holy Spirit. The very nature of sin is resisting the Holy Spirit and His impulses. We can't just have a little bit of sin and hold on to it and, and experience just a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to let go of our sin? Or do we like it too much sometimes? Do we like the critical spirit? Do we like the sexual immorality, the impurity? Do we like the idolatry where we put other things more important than God? Do we like being an angry person because it gets it out? It just feels better. They need to be taught a lesson anyway. If you want to see the Holy Spirit unleashed in your life, you have to actively work to stop sin. Now, all of these things, and we're going to get there, all of these things, we realize the Holy Spirit is the one giving us the strength to work. But that doesn't mean we sit on our couches and let them work. There's always a cooperation throughout Scripture between the work of the Spirit and, and our openness to seeing the Spirit work. And so we pursue this, we strive for this, and the Holy Spirit enables it. You will not experience the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You will not experience the power of the Holy Spirit if there is unchecked sin in your life. Anywhere that you know about. This is a serious list that we see in Galatians 5. And it's before the work, the fruit of the Spirit, because until we're giving those things up, the fruit of the Spirit are hindered. Now, what do we do with this one? What do we do with a list like this? Again, we come to the Holy Spirit, and this is about how do we live by the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, please reveal and convict me of sin in my life. It's, it's Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way. See if there be any wicked way in me. One of the, the roles of the Holy Spirit is He convicts. And if you ask Him to reveal sin in your life, He will. Are you willing to do that this week? 
get some time away with God whenever it is and say, God, reveal to me the sin in my life. Open my eyes to it and see what happens. It's one of the steps to spirit-led living, an essential step. Point number four, crave fruit. Crave fruit. Study and pursue the Spirit's fruit in your life. Now, now, think about just, just natural eating. Now, now this, this may not be true of all of you, but if, if, if somebody puts out at a church potluck yummy pasta, yummy mac and cheese, yummy pizza, and broccoli, which one goes first? If you said broccoli, you're just a little sick. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Lorraine, are the veg- for the deaconesses, do the vegetables go first? Sometimes, maybe? Well, then you guys are amazing. <laughs> Balance, yeah. In my home, we have to have rules about these kinds of things. <laughs> we have to say, you will have a salad. You will have vegetables. It, it's just part of the meal. Crave fruit spiritually. Study and pursue the Spirit's work in your life. It's a partnership, like I said, with the Holy Spirit, but be open to the Holy Spirit working. And, and so studies like the fruit of the Spirit, I think our women's ministry went through the fruit of the Spirit. Those are fantastic studies because it helps you crave fruit, things that actually are spiritually nutritious. And we should be seeking to have a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We should be craving those things and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in those. Yes, they are fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that builds those into our lives as we pursue Him and as we pursue those things. We need to work at this. Don't settle for a bit of fruit. Don't settle for old withered fruit. Go all in on this list and crave this. You know, we we sometimes say, well, what's the Holy Spirit's will? What's God's will for me? This list is a good place to start. Because I guarantee everything on this list is part of God's will for you. And it begins to help other things fall into place. Number five. Act on the spirit impulses. Act on spirit impulses. Follow the spirit's purposes and guidance in life. And this is sort of the heart of the the, the talk today. And, And this is the heart of what we need to be keeping in mind and working out what we're learning in our Christian life. How do we follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and leading? Galatians 5.25, the, the last verse there, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, so if we're, if we're dependent on the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And, and the idea of keeping in step is to be guided by or following His steps. It, it would be sort of like walking behind someone in deep snow. Now, when you walk behind someone in deep snow, what do you try to, what's the best thing to do? You follow their footsteps, right? It's already packed down. They did all the work. Yeah, I'm still having to follow it, but I know where to go. It's following along. You know, if I brought one of you up here and said, you need to walk like me, and I'm walking, and maybe I do some crazy things, what do you have to do to walk like me? Whatever you said, it probably was something like, you need to watch what I'm doing. (laughs) 
You need to see what the Holy Spirit is doing to be able to walk in Him. And so this idea is following the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, now how does that work? We already talked about the Holy Spirit does guide and He directs. How does that work? And the first place that I have to mention when we, when we talk about what does the Spirit want me to do, He's already given us a whole book that tells us what He wants us to do. So we start in the Word. And if, if you want to have a Spirit-led life, you have to saturate yourself in the Word. That's His letter to us. That's His guidance for us. We cannot keep in step with the Spirit without knowing the Word. Without studying it, enjoying it. And village, I mean more than just a 30-second verse of the day. Those are great. But are we digging into God's Word? Are you reading it on your own? Are you getting any food spiritually besides Sunday morning? I hope so. Because you're going to struggle with, with seeing the fullness of life that God gives if you're not. But the other, the other way that the Spirit guides us is through impulses and promptings. At that moment through impulses and promptings, through thoughts that he puts in our head. And I know, here's where we get a little bit like, woo. The Holy Spirit indwelling us, that is the way that he, he directs us, is by those impulses, by those thoughts. Yes, those thoughts might be for myself. And yes, we need to ask our, ourselves that question. But he uses those thoughts and those impulses to directly tell us, to directly speak to us and say, this is what I want you to do. You know, as I grow in the Spirit and live, live life following God, as I talk with others that do and I see their walk with God, I am amazed more and more at how often the Holy Spirit works through inner promptings. It happens all the time and it's not mystical in the sense of, of bad mystical or of satanic or something like that. It is how God leads us, and we need to start listening to that. We need to start being open to that. And yes, we need to ask the question, what if it's just my desires? What if it's his? And, and, and this, is, this is not an exact two-step process to know exactly what this looks like. What I can tell you is if it's outside of God's word, it's not God's will. So that's black and white. But the process of learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, that's a process that we develop. And a process we should enter into cautiously. We were talking this morning about elders, and, and Pastor Andrew said, well, maybe we should be careful of, of how we even talk about this. So if I say, I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, blah, blah, blah. Said, you're going to buy me the habit today. No, I don't know that. But I can say, you know what? I think the Holy Spirit is prompting me to go pray for so-and-so. I think the Holy Spirit is directing me to go encourage so-and-so. And the more that you act on those impulses and see the Holy Spirit work, the more that you will be able to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. I guarantee it. But if we are in fear of saying, well, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit... Or if that's me, can, can I just say a couple things? If the prompting is against your natural tendency, it quite possibly is the Holy Spirit. You know, I can be at certain times an introvert, and especially in a store, I'm like, just leave me alone. I want to be, this is my alone time. And sometimes I'll, I'll just have this impulse, well, you should go talk to so-and-so. I'm like, no. 
Well, that's probably the Holy Spirit at that point because it's not my natural state. Does that make sense? And, and the other thing I would say is if it's, if it's something that's good and not contrary to Scripture, why not try it? If you get a prompting in the middle of the night to pray for somebody, why not pray for them? Even if it's not the Holy Spirit, and it probably is, even if it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not a bad thing to pray for somebody. <laughs> if it, sometimes people will say, well, I was prompted to write you a note of encouragement. I cannot tell you how many of your notes of encouragement have come to Susie at just a difficult time. That is not by accident. That is you as a congregation listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works this way, guys. Those are not coincidences. He puts those thoughts in our heads at just the right time, at just the right place, so we will act on them. Now, now when we get these thoughts, we test them. And, and the Bible says to test the spirits. Make sure this is from the Holy Spirit. I've had, pe- not too many, praise God, but I've had someone come to me and say, you know what, the Holy Spirit is telling me to leave my wife. No. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was your sinful, selfish desires. Because the Holy Spirit will never ask us to do something contrary to God's word. That one I can say in black and white. We test these thoughts with the word and with other believers. It's okay to say, you know what? I think the Holy Spirit's prompting me to do this. What do you think? To other godly believers. And that helps us understand this and it tests the spirit. A.W. Tozer wrote this. We're just going to go a couple more minutes. And to expose our hearts to truth and consistently refuse or neglect to obey the impulse that it arouses is to stymie the motions of life within us and if persisted in to grieve the Holy Spirit into silence. So many times we don't hear the Holy Spirit speak because we never listened and we have hardened ourselves to the voice. This, is, this goes back to point number one. Point number one and point number five have to be taken together. As I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit, I start to ask for his guidance. I start to listen for his promptings. And then this one, I have to act on it. I have to do it. If you're prompted to go talk to someone, go talk to them, to go encourage them. If you're prompted to write that note, go write it. If you're prompted to help someone tangibly, maybe with moving or, or with something that they need, go help them. What's the worst that can happen? Someone's helped. Someone's encouraged. Someone's prayed for. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit guides, and he does guide with promptings. And we have to learn to listen to them. And we learn that by listening and acting on them. And, and there's going to be bigger promptings. As we listen to the little things, the bigger promptings come of, okay, he's prompting me to do this for work, or he's prompting me to live here, or all these things the Holy Spirit is guiding in if we're listening. The last three are, are some other verses that um, just wanted to add into your list, put them down so you can think about them this week. Number six, how do, we, how do we live by the Holy Spirit? Serve. 
find your spiritual gift and, and use it. First Corinthians twelve eleven says, all these, speaking of spiritual gifts, are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So who gives, who gives spiritual gifts? Holy Spirit. When we don't use it, what are we saying to the Holy Spirit? We are grieving that we are resisting the Holy Spirit. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're saying, nah, 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 nah. Thanks for the gift. I'm going to bury my talent. No, as you serve, you'll see the Holy Spirit leading in your life. But if you're ignoring this Holy Spirit there, you're, you're going to see his absence in other areas of your life. Number seven, embrace spirit filled community. Embrace spirit-filled community. Interestingly enough, if you were to read on in Galatians from 26 and into, into chapter 6, he moves into how does the community live together. And, and one of the things that is amazing how God has designed his church is when we are around other people walking with the Spirit, it helps us walk in the Spirit. It, it builds our faith. It encourages us. And we see the Holy Spirit doing incredible things. Embrace spirit-filled community. It's why in the Ephesians 5.18 passage we talked about about being filled and be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The very next verse is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. He goes to what the community we're involved in should look like. Because if if our primary community is people that aren't walking in the Spirit, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have those friends that we're reaching for Christ and we should be actively engaging them. But where is your primary support system? Where's your primary community? That's why gathering together every week is so important. If for nothing else, to be part of a family that is living by the Spirit. Number eight, cultivate gratitude. It's amazing how many times in the New Testament walking in the Spirit is associated with gratitude and thankfulness. There is a link there that we can't get into this morning, but I wanted to to put that there. The result of all this, people will notice and God will be glorified. People will notice a life that is, is led by the Holy Spirit because it won't be explainable, as Francis Chan said, any other way. People will notice when you have the fruit of the Spirit in ways beyond what an ordinary human being could have. And they'll ask, and God will be glorified if you answer. How do we walk in the Spirit, village? We need to depend on God. We need to order our desires around the Spirit. We need to stop sinning and take that seriously. We need to... to be looking for God's guidance and we need to be looking for his direction and following those impulses. We need to be serving. We need to be with people that are are spirit-filled. We need to be people of gratitude. And then we will see the Holy Spirit work in amazing ways. Let's pray together. Lord God, our Father, forgive us for not being in tune with your Holy Spirit, for not walking in step with the Holy Spirit, for wanting to plow our own way through the deep snow instead of just following your steps. Lord, help us to listen to those impulses this week. Lord, I pray that people come back with stories of following an impulse they would have ignored and then seeing you work. Lord, help us to share those stories with each other and see what you are doing in the life of Village. 
Lord, unleash the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us to stop resisting and stop grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit. Lord, may we see incredible things as you work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for studying God's Word together. I invite you to stay for one of our adult Sunday school classes and enjoy digging in a little deeper in a, in a community. God bless.